0: Everybody. Psalm 15, a Psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth in his heart, has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and takes up no reproach against his neighbor, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, and who keeps his word even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. So as David composed this song, it was originally a song meant to be sung in the tabernacle. As David composes this, he asks God a question to start the psalm, and then the rest of the psalm is God speaking to us to answer David's question. And David's question is, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? All right, so when David is talking about to God about the sanctuary. In David's day, this is 3,000 years ago in Jerusalem, in David's day, the sanctuary or the temple, there was no building yet. It was just a tabernacle. It was a tent where they had put the Ark of the Covenant under a tent covering on the top of a little hill called Mount Zion. Today in Jerusalem, it's called the Temple Mount. Solomon eventually built his temple on the top of Mount Zion, and then there was four and five renovations of that and rebuilds of that temple. But in David's day, when he's writing this, all there is is a tent over the Ark of the Covenant. And David asks God, who can come into your sanctuary to worship you? Who may live on your holy hill, which is the the hill that Jerusalem is built on? But for us, the question is Spiritual because I don't have time to go into it it's way too much God in heaven lives in on a heavenly mountain and it's called Mount Zion and in heaven there is his holy of holies his sanctuary his temple Hebrews tells us that when Jesus died on the cross he in heaven he went into that holiest place and he put his own blood on the ark of the covenant as an offering for our sin. So for us, the question is, God, who can come into your presence? Who can live with you in heaven? Who can be in your presence when we worship, when we pray? How do we have access to God? Everybody with me? The question is, God... How can I get in touch with you? How can I live with you? How can I be in your presence both now, when I'm worshiping, when I'm in my quiet time, when I'm reading my Bible, and ultimately in eternity, Lord? Who can live with you? And God tells us, who can? The question is, God, who can live with you? Who can enter into your presence? And God says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth in his heart. Well, that counts me out right from the beginning. God says, you can only come to me if you're completely blameless. Well, that's zero people in this room. Lots of people can blame me for a lot. Who does what is righteous. When the Old Testament uses the word righteous, it means you follow all 400 laws of the Old Covenant perfectly rules me out. I am not blameless. I am not righteous. And who speaks the truth in his heart. You would expect it to say, God says, you can only come into my presence if you speak the truth. But this says, if you speak this truth in your heart to yourself, because out of the overflow of our heart, our mouth speaks. The lies and accusations and gossip and anger that come out our mouth are really in our heart first. And it comes out, but God says, you can only come into my presence if you speak the truth in your heart. i are like, well, what does that mean? I would guess you talk to yourself in your heart. You ever have conversation with somebody that isn't there? And is that conversation usually you telling them how great they are? No, it is not, is it? Usually, if you're talking to somebody that isn't there in your heart, you are arguing with them. You're gearing up for tomorrow. This is what I'm going to tell him. Come on. Or you are planning how to spin what's going to happen so that you don't get in as much trouble as you otherwise might. Hello? Or you're planning your defense. I know I'm gonna get in trouble tomorrow, but I'm with my parents or my teacher or my boss. And I need to I need to figure out how I'm gonna answer that so that come on, that's you're speaking not the truth to yourself in your heart. Hello? Yeah. He only, if you want to come into the presence of God in your own quiet time in our worship here on a Sunday morning, and ultimately in heaven in eternity. You can only go if you're blameless, righteous, and speak the truth in your heart. Thank God for Jesus. Jesus was completely and is completely blameless. No one may blame him for anything. He did nothing wrong. He's completely righteous. He fulfilled every one of the Old Testament laws. He obeyed them perfectly and completely. And he only ever spoke the truth He never had an agenda, he never had a spin, he never had an angle, he only spoke the plain truth because that was all that was in his heart. Thank you, Jesus, that you are blameless. Thank you that you are righteous. Thank you that you have the truth in your heart, that you are the very truth itself. Thank you, Father, that we can come into your sanctuary, we can live with you because Jesus' righteousness is accounted to us. Thank you, Jesus, for your righteousness that you share with us. Thank you, Father, that you are not keeping us away. You're not pushing us out. You're not withdrawing from us because you withdrew from your son on the cross so that you can draw us, so that you can woo us, so that you can be near us and that we can have joyful and active entrance into your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 3 says, and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong, takes up no reproach against his neighbor. Well, that also disqualifies me. Thank God for Jesus. David's question is, God, how do I get into your presence? How do I live with you? How do I worship you the way you want to be worshiped? How do I come into your holiest place, God? And God says, if you have no slander on your tongue. The word slander there could be translated into lots of English words. Gossip, anger, condemnation, criticism, uh, all of those bad things that we speak with our tongue. And you know James says that your mouth cannot, with one side of your tongue, praise God, and then with the other, curse men. Hello? So some of you wonder why I don't ever feel anything like other people say, when they read their Bible, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me, I don't get it. Or when I go to church, other people seem to be really enjoying worship and I just don't feel anything. It may be because of your tongue the last six days. Because you can't come into his sanctuary after a week of slandering and gossip and complaining and criticizing and then come in and, Jesus, I love you so much, it doesn't work. It's not God withdrawing from you. You don't have access because of your own mouth. Thank God for Jesus. Does that mean it's a waste of time to come to church if you screwed up during the week? No. If you screwed up, repent and get in get into the sanctuary. Get into the presence of the Lord, but you have to repent. You can't come in having slandered your husband or your wife or your neighbor or your coworker or your customer or Or your boss or whatever, and it just, Oh, Jesus, I love you so much. Oh, God, I love to sing your praises. It's not going to work. You can't come into God's holy hill with slander on your tongue. Who does his neighbor no wrong? We know from Jesus that neighbor in the Bible doesn't just mean the person who lives across your back fence. It's anybody that's around you. You didn't do anybody any wrong. And takes up no reproach against his neighbor. The word reproach means offense or insult. So you can only come to God if you don't have insult or offense in your heart toward your neighbor. And again, it doesn't mean just you're the person who lives across the street from you. It's anyone. We know that. Jesus said, you aren't forgiven unless you forgive everyone. And Jesus said, actually, if you are at the altar worshiping God and you remember Not that you have something against somebody else, but that somebody else has something against you. If somebody's mad at you, even if that's 100% unfair, you have to leave and go make it right and then come back and worship. I know that doesn't always work, but you have to attempt. We can't bring division into the presence of God. God. That's God's point. You cannot come to me if you're divided from anyone. If there's unrepentant conflict in your marriage, if you're in rebellion toward your parents, or you're critical of your boss, or or anybody, it's not going to work. I mean, you may come to church and and go through the motions, but you're not going to be in the presence of God. So the translators differ on what it means to take up a reproach, or take up an offense. Some of them translate what's written there in the Hebrew as that we can't be offended with anybody. But the other half of the translators say, you can't pick up somebody else's offense. You can't be offended, not just can't be offended with anybody, you can't be offended for anyone. Hello? You can't pick up what somebody else is carrying and call it supporting your friend or loving them. See, person A and B are in a conflict and they're really upset with each other and person B comes and talks to you and, they, and you talk and cry and pray and you're their friend. And now I'm really upset with person A too, but person A didn't do anything to you. That's what it might mean here to take up, an approach, take up a reproach. You don't, you don't get offended with anybody, but you don't pick up anybody else's offense either. It's really, really common, folks. My sister says her husband's a jerk, and I say, yes, he is. Well, your sister's husband didn't do anything to you. Come on, you get the point. My coworker says that their manager is a jerk, and okay, I'm offended with him. God said, if you're doing that, even calling it supporting your friend, you can't you can't pick up offense. You're not somebody's friend if you encourage their offense by trying to be loving. You're actually being anti-Christ. The only way you are being somebody's friend is if you encourage, you encourage them to forgive. You have to forgive your husband. You have to forgive your mom. I'm really sorry you're feeling this way, but I'm not going to pet your bad feelings. You have to forgive. That's Friendship. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Thank you, Jesus, that there is no slander on your tongue. Thank you that you did your neighbor no wrong and you take up no reproach and offense against anybody. Jesus, we need you so that we can obey this verse. We cannot do this on our own, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need you to work it in us. Remove all bitterness. Remove all offense. Remove all the gossip and criticism and slander from our tongues, Lord. We repent. We repent of trying to be complainers and judgers and then come in and worship you. No wonder, Lord, your church has so little of your presence. Forgive us, Lord. Have mercy. Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord. God says, if you want to come into my presence, you have to despise a vile man, but honor those who fear the Lord. Some of you are like, I'm not supposed to despise anybody. Well, yes, you are. God says you must. It's really hard to despise somebody while not slandering them. But God says you have to do both. All right. So, so what does that actually mean? All right. It doesn't mean, oh, we know we can't hate anyone. We can't be unforgiving to anyone. But it, the word holiness means to draw a line. And to divide ourselves to God, that's what the word holiness means, to be divided to God and divided from the world. So there are really, really ugly, wicked, hideous things that go on in our world that we cannot be a part of. And God says, not only can you not be a part of it, you must hate it. Some of you are like, well, I got that down. That guy in the Oval Office—he's a vile man, and I hate him. In Jesus' name, yeah, I despise him. No, it's not what we're talking about. Better not go any further than that one either. I didn't bring my muck boots. How do we despise what is vile without slandering someone? There are some people who find it—you find it very easy. To hate what is vile, and therefore it is very difficult for you not to slander. Others of you find it very easy not to slander because that's your focus. You're like, I don't want to speak bad about anybody. I don't want to judge anybody, and so therefore you find it very, dis- very difficult to despise what is evil. You see the wickedness that grows on, goes on in the street in a parade or or on TV, or the internet, or the music, or what, and you're like, well, that's not my thing, and I know God says that's sin, and I'm not doing that, but I'm not gonna judge them, it's, that's, that's their thing. No, hate it, hate it. We have to despise what is evil, and honor those who fear the Lord. So I'm not talking about hating the other people in the opposite political party, I'm not talking about hating anybody, But we have to very clearly, very bluntly say, that's vile, it's evil, you're rebelling against God and I will have no part of it, without making it personally insulting, slanderous to the person. Hello? Okay. I want to go a little further, Just, just to tweak your thinking some here. Two weeks ago, Jack Black flew through La Grande, went to Wallowa Lake on vacation. And all the buzz in eastern Oregon was, Jack Black's at Wallawa Lake. If you don't know who Jack Black is, I'm sorry. He's an, he's an actor, celebrity. And, and everybody's, Jack Black's at Wallowa Lake. And we're going to get our picture with him, and they're going fishing with him, and we're buying him a beer. And I'm sure Jack's a nice guy, maybe. He seems really fun, seems like somebody I would maybe enjoy hanging out with maybe i don't we were big fans of nacho at our house (laughs) one of the greatest movies ever produced (laughs) but i've seen jack black on late night comedy shows i have heard his music he is a vile man and he was receiving much honor in union willow county I said I was here to just tweak your thinking a little bit. The America is pretty much a completely honorless culture, except celebrity. We go bonkers over celebrity, and that is our expression of honor in our world. And he received much... God says, if you honor what's vile and you dishonor those who fear me, you won't come into my presence. If you, If you despise what is vile and you... Honor those who fear me. But hundreds of people rush to get their picture with Jack, and I'm going to buy him a beer, and I'm going to go fishing with him. And and, and we don't know him. I know, He may be fun, but I'll bet if you hung out with him for an hour, you would hear some pretty vile words, and you'd find out his heart is, is pretty ugly. But if you don't know Lori right here in the gray t-shirt, Lori is one of the queens of the kingdom of heaven. And when she prays, The creator of the universe listens. And I don't see any of you lining up to take selfies with her. Come on, get a selfie with Lori. I got a picture with this woman that God actually listens to. God answers her when she prays. She's one of the happiest people on the planet. She fears the Lord. And I was near her. She's so awesome. I just had to get a selfie. Come on, do not honor what is vile and discount the people that are truly great right here in our midst. Our family went and saw Top Gun. It's good. It's a fine, fine movie. It's one of the what's the first one I've liked in years. Movies are just absolute worthless trash. <laughs> for the last fifteen years. Top Gun was actually cool. They ruined it with some sexual sin and lots of bad language. But everybody's on this Tom Cruise high right now. And, um, and and we were we came home from Top Gun and we're like, hey, let's watch Mission Impossible. So we watched the very first Mission Impossible, and it was a cool story. It's an interesting movie. I'd forgotten that I'd seen it, which was good because I didn't know how was, you know, what was gonna happen. But then we watched Mission Impossible 2, and it was vile. We had to turn it off. Should have turned it off way before we did. It was just, just nothing but sin. I would guess that if any of you ran into Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, I want a selfie. Tom Cruise. He's not a really, he's not really a very good guy. He's accomplished a lot of great things. But God does not respect him. Jesus wants to save him. I'm not talking about he's not worth love, but genuinely after watching, I was praying like, Jesus, save Tom Cruise. He believes some really ridiculous lies, Scientology. Jesus, he does not know you. He's on his way to hell and people are fawning all over him and thinking he's something great. He's on his way to hell. People are buying Jack Black a beer and slapping him on the back and catching fish with him and nobody told him about Jesus. You think he's going to hear that stuff in Hollywood, California? No, but he could have heard it in Joseph. I don't know that he didn't, but I doubt it. We have to despise what is vile and honor those who fear the Lord if we want to enter into the presence of God. You can't give your mind and your time to 102.3 or Pandora or Spotify or wherever you get your world's music. You're like, the, the people who sing those stuff, is they're vile, you give your heart and your mind and your time to it, and you're like, well, I'm not thinking that, oh, this person's so great while I'm listening to their song, but you're opening your heart to it. It is not an ironic accident that Pandora is called Pandora. Pandora is the woman who opened the box full of all the demons and sins and griefs of the whole world. It's not an accident that that's a music streaming service. I'm not saying Spotify's any better. Just... Do you listen to people who fear the Lord? How will you know? The Bible says those who fear the Lord, his praise is constantly on their lips. Seriously, why are you listening to anything other than worship music and sermons? (laughs) That sounds really boring. You don't know how exciting God is. You don't know. Who keeps his word even when it hurts. Wow, do we live in a world where nobody keeps their word. Even appointments. We can't keep appointments. Hey, something came up. We got to change this. It's not a sin every time, but it happens way too much. People have to be able to count on you that you'll be where you said you would be, do what you said you would do when you said you would do it. Truly, things come up. But if you have a responsibility, if you have a commitment, keep your word. But if you need to change, call and ask, may I change this? Is this okay with you if we break this date and reschedule for tomorrow? If it's not, keep keep your word the first time. Come on. Keep your word even when it hurts. If you sign a contract, you're going to do it. If you borrow money, you're going to pay it back, even when it hurts. God says, if you don't keep your word, you can't come into my presence. Like, Well, God understands that this happened and this happened. No, he doesn't. Keep your word. If you can't, genuinely, you can ask. You can communicate. You can talk. It's so much deeper than just our schedules. Our schedule is, the way we run our schedules is, the flakiness of that is just, It's just a symptom. Is that our hearts are empty of commitment. Who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Usury is a really old Shakespeare, King James language word that just means high interest rates. So the usurers of our world are the credit card companies and the loan sharks, the bookies for sports betting and all that kind of stuff. So... God says, if you want to be in my presence, you cannot lend out your money without you, with usury and you can't accept a bribe against the innocent. Finally, something we can rest on because I don't have any money to loan out and I've never even been offered a bribe, much less accepted one. Whew, finally, I don't have to, I'm off the hook on that one. Except maybe we aren't. <laughs> Except maybe we aren't. Taking those two things together, those who lend their money at a higher than, than fair interest rate and those who could be bribed to do something against somebody that didn't deserve it, the principle is you make decisions that profit you at someone else's expense. Now all of a sudden we're all guilty. Have you made a decision that profited you and cost someone else? It could be financial, but it doesn't have to be limited to financial. Just how do you think? Do you think, how much money can I get if you have a business? Are you like, well, everybody else charges this shop rate, so I can too, even if that isn't fair. If the Lord tells you to give something, do you give it or do you consult your checkbook before you decide to give? Then then your checkbook is your God, not Jesus. If you have to consult your wallet before you would give to Jake and view... This is you. If you think about, well, we got to get there early so I can get the best seat, or we can get the best parking spot, or how am I going to get people to look at me, or how do I pose this photo for my Instagram, and all this stuff—that's just self, 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 self. Maybe this does apply to us. And God says, if you're all about yourself and not other people, you're not going to be in my presence. You're not going to be in my house. Thank God for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the ultimate example of never profiting yourself. You always give, you always serve, you always take the low place, you always make yourself nothing, the bond servant of all. Thank you, Jesus, for showing us the way to come into the presence of God is the way to go low. The way to go down, to make ourselves the servant of all, to have this mind, which was also in Christ, that he made himself nothing, taking the form of a bondservant. Jesus, forgive us for thinking about how we can profit off of other people or how we can get our way. He who does these things will never be shaken. God says, if you you live this way, you will be a rock. And then we didn't. But guess whose name is The Rock? It isn't, what's his name? Dwayne Johnson. His name is Jesus Christ, is The Rock. And he can never be shaken. You you build your life on Jesus because he obeyed this perfectly. And he is the door. He is the gate. He is the way to God put your trust in his righteousness and you will enter God's sanctuary. You will enter into the Lord's presence. And when you read your Bible and when you worship, you will be so alive with the Holy Spirit of God because your trust is in Jesus's righteousness and his Holy Spirit is empowering you to live this way. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lori. Amen. Jesus, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for showing us how to enter the presence of God. Jesus, it's all about you. We put our faith in your righteousness and your truth. Thank you that you made the way for us, Lord. We want to obey you. We want to be those that don't just come and go through our religious routine, but to actually enter into the presence of God. Lord, I pray that you, by your Spirit, would fulfill this word in us, We cannot do it on our own, Lord. We can't self-control our way into your presence. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empty us out and fill us with Jesus so that we're nothing and he is all. Lord, we bless your holy name. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your instruction. We receive it and we say, yes, we want to live this way. Holy Spirit, make it so in Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 God bless you all.